0: The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, good morning. Am I the only one that thinks Pastor Ryan should be wearing that elf suit for the rest of 2019? I think every bumper, I think every Sunday, I think every day in the office, he should continually wear that elf costume. Amen? Can, can you make sure when you see Ryan today in the lobby to tell him that it would be a really great idea uh, and the best way to spread Christmas cheer is to wear the elf costume throughout the year. So you're welcome for that one. Well, hello. Uh, I'm kind of in that no man's land as Pastor Nick referenced a little bit ago. What do we really say today? Is it like Merry post-Christmas or is it like a happy pre-New Year? Uh, happy holidays kind of works, but if you're anything like me, I kind of like cringe at that statement. I don't know why I just do. Um, But I'm glad you're here either way. Uh, And so Merry late Christmas and happy soon to be New Year. Uh, Today we are wrapping up our Spread the Cheer series uh, and it's an honor to be here. My name is Aaron if I haven't said that yet. I'm one of the pastors here at the Grove Church and I'm glad you are here today. Uh, We have spent the last several weeks working through this series where we've looked at the book of Luke uh, to talk about Jesus's birth, and what it means for us today. Uh, And I want to make sure that this is clear. This is not meant to be a Christmas series. It's actually meant to be a Christ-centered series. Uh, And I believe that that's an important distinction today because we can look at something like Spread the Cheer. It's December 30th. Why are we still talking about Christmas? Because Christ is the center of Christmas, but he should also be the center of our everyday lives. So uh, I'm excited to finish this series with the emphasis and the focus of what does it look like to spread cheer throughout 2019 and the year that it's coming. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to do that. And before we get there, uh, I think some of us here, uh, just a quick poll. Is anybody already counting down the days for Christmas 2019? We got, I got like two hands, oh my goodness. I got, I got ha- a handful of hands. Okay, I'll take four or five, I guess. Uh, is anybody like relief Christmas is over? They said it, not me. Anyways, I'm, I'm excited. This is a fun series. Uh, I just thought it'd be fun to do that because what do you say at this point? And uh, I think it's important to make that question because I think it sets us up well for the rest of today uh, and the close of this series. Um, we've looked in the book, like I said, Luke, uh, to tell about the story of Jesus' birth. Uh, and Pastor Nick did a great job. Uh, I always love it when Pastor Nick or Heather speaks because it's always challenging to me. Uh, and it's not always a fun thing, but it's a good thing. And one of the things Nick referenced in Luke chapter 2, 17 and 18, which is about the shepherds, I think sets us up really nicely for today, especially as we jump into the book of Hebrews chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there for a moment. We'll get into Hebrews chapter 10 in just a moment. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one to see back in front of you. If there isn't one, then you should, if you don't have it on your phone through an app, uh, then finally, because we believe the Bible is worth reading, we're going to put on the screen behind us as well. So, um, But Luke chapter 2, 17 and 18 is kind of the launching point for me because as Pastor Nick referenced these verses last week, it kind of sparked uh, this conversation today. It says this in chapter 2 of the book of Luke. uh, After seeing him, the shepherds had already been told about Jesus, give you a little bit of context here. And so they went to find Jesus in the manger, in the city of Bethlehem, in the inn, in the, the, the farmhouse of the inn, if you will. Uh, it says, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. And I think it's fitting for you and I today as we talk about what does it look like to spread the cheer throughout next year in 2019, we have to first stop and remember what the, the shepherd's response to Jesus was. If this is a Christ-centered series, then the story of the manger is a reminder for you and I today that it's not about Christmas, it's about Christ. He came, and because he came, you and I now have cheer. And the, the shepherd's response to seeing Jesus, to encountering Jesus, was to go tell everyone. They didn't hoard it, they didn't hold it, they didn't think it an honor to be some of the first people to see Jesus after he was born. They went immediately as they were going back to their fields, and they shared it with everyone they could. It says, everyone who heard their story were astonished. And I believe the same things can be said for you and I today. We are meant to take what we've heard and seen about Jesus and share it, not hoard it. We shouldn't count it an honor to be in these seats knowing Jesus. We should count it a responsibility to make sure everyone knows about him. That's the responsibility we carry. And so to answer the question, how do you and I do that, the book of Hebrews comes into play really well. And so I want to read a few verses out of chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. I want to pray and share a few thoughts with us today. It says this in verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 10. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus, Verse 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. That's a verse verse worth highlighting or underlining, exclamation points, little hearts and big squares, whatever whatever your heart's content, even smiley faces, whatever. That's a verse worth holding on to today. Continues on, verse 24 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let's pray today for God's word. Thank you, Father, that you love us so much that you gave us your son, who was the word become flesh. And Lord, as we spend time in your word today, I pray that it would be alive and active as you promised it to be. I pray that it would pierce straight to our hearts, that it would separate the lies from your truth. Lord, that we would find your grace, your love, your compassion, your mercy, and your, and your truth to be in full effect today. Prepare our hearts, help us to hear from you, and give us the courage and the boldness to respond faithfully. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the writer of Hebrews tells us in light of who Christ is and what he did, we now have a response. In verses 19 to 21, where, where the author starts off saying, and so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Christ. He's reminding you and I today, the reason we have cheer, the reason we have joy, the reason we have something worth sharing is because a thousand, 2000 plus years ago, Jesus died on a cross. He came in the form of a baby prior to this, 30 something years later, died on a cross so you and I could be reconciled to God. So we can then have access once more See, because of sin, we were separated. But because of Christ, we're reunited. The author of Hebrews is reminding you and I today through the first few verses of chapter 10, verses 19 to 21 of this section, that the reason you and I have something to cheer about, the reason you and I have something to share, the reason you and I have purpose is because of Christ. He says, in essence, it tells us this, that you and I, who are ordinary, untrained men and women, both young and old, who are unqualified, now have access to God. Because of Christ. As a child should have access to its parents, so we now have access to God. You know something about this? If I'm hanging out in my house and my daughter calls out for me, you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to get up and like try and hide. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make myself available to her. Dad, dad, what do you need, baby girl? I'm going to do everything I can to make myself available. Why? Because I love my daughter. And if I love my daughter as much as I do, God loves her all the more, which means he loves us all the more. Because of what Christ did, we're told we now have access to God, who's our heavenly father, who loves us, who cares about us, who wants the best for us. And all that that entails, he's available to us because of Christ. Christ has reconciled you and I to God. And the author of Hebrews is telling us, because we have access, he then tells us three things that we should, how we should respond I called them last service salad statements because they're let us, let us, let us. It just came to me, so I went with it. So this service, they're, let, they're salad statements, okay? But there are three things that we get to do in response to remembering this truth, the remembering why we have cheer, remembering who Christ is and what he did, the reason why this series has spread the cheer because of what Christ did, it now empowers us and enables us to go do something. Not meant to hoard it, just like the, the, the shepherds did. So verse 22 says this, the first salad statement says this, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. There's nothing you've done that gets you to enter boldly, but it's a response to what Christ has already done that gives us the boldness to enter in. I don't know if you've ever come to church feeling unworthy. I don't know if you've ever come to a building or met in a life group feeling like you're not good enough. I don't know if you've ever been to a place where you're just like, God, you, if only you knew. First off, he does know. Some of you are just like, oh, yep, he knows. But because of what Jesus has done for you, we can then come to God boldly. The boldness that the author of Hebrews is telling us is not to be presumptuous. We're not to walk and say, hey, God, because of your son, I get to come before you and ask whatever I want. That's not how it works. First off, it says with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. So when we come before God, it's a remembrance of what Christ has enabled us to do is that we can come before God confidently, that we now have access. When we call out to God, you know what he's not going to do? He's not going to go hide behind a tree. Come find me. <laughs> oh, getting, getting warmer getting warmer as you're driving to a building for a service. No, we have access to God. And sometimes that access simply means in the midst of a very difficult situation or in the midst of, of, of even lostness or hopelessness, like, God, what do I do? Because we have access to God. You don't have to go to a pastor. You don't have to go to a leader. You have access to God because of what Christ has done. Because of what Christ has done, let us go before him boldly. It's an incredible truth that we get to hold on to. Verse 23 is the second solid statement that says this, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Love this verse. Here's the qualifier. What we're hoping in is not the promise given. What we're clinging to is not maybe God will come through. What we get to hope in, what we hold tightly to, I don't know if you watch American Ninja Warrior, but one of the things they used to have to jump onto is this big old hanging log. And they literally, if this is like, I don't know what, they're like this holding on for dear life as this thing's dropping and going. The picture's holding tightly. We're bear hugging. We're not letting go of God. Not his promises, not the things we get from him because we call ourselves Christians, but because of who God is, we hold tightly to him. That's the hope that the writer of Hebrews is challenging us to remind, remember. He's, he's aware of his audience is starting to lose, his grips, lose its grip. It's starting to waver in holding so tightly. He's saying, remember what you're holding to. You're not holding to a promise. And the Bible is chock full of promises. The greatest promise is that all of God's promises are yes and amen in Christ. Meaning this, that God has fulfilled every one of his promises through the person of Jesus. And if we want to know what Jesus or what God is promising, we need to first look at the man Jesus to see what it means and what we're given as we trust in God alone. The Bible is chock full of these things, but we're holding tightly to the one who promises, not the promises given. This is a struggle in my life, as I'm sure it's a struggle in many of our lives. One of the things that they describe about hope Is that it vividly anticipates that God will fulfill his promises? I love the picture that creates. It's almost richer, it's almost deeper, vividly anticipates. Those are fun words to say together. But hope is that picture. I cannot wait to see how God's gonna provide for me. I cannot wait to see how God's gonna show up in this. I cannot wait to see him walking close with me in a very dark season. I cannot wait. I'm so excited. I'm vividly anticipating versus, yeah, God's going to show up. Yeah, he says he's good. I don't know if I believe that fully yet, but I know he's good. The picture of vividly anticipates creates this energy of like, yeah, my situation isn't very good right now, but God is good. And because he's good, I'm okay. I'm good because I know he's good. See, the Bible talks about, I want to jump into this, because the Bible talks about promises like crazy. And there's some of us, I think, as I've been praying and thinking about today, these promises are the ones that struck me for us to remember. The first thing is this, God promises provision. Now, God is the provider. You're not getting things. He's providing for you. Remember what you're clinging to today. See, Matthew 6, there's an incredible passage talking about worry and anxiousness. It's talking about, I don't know how I'm going to get food. I don't know how I'm going to have shelter. I don't know if I'm going to have clothes to wear. I don't know if I'm going to have the things that I need. And Matthew presents a picture about birds in the air and how they toil. They don't toil. They don't stress out. They don't worry about where they're going to have their nest or where they're going to get their food. Now they have to work diligently for it. But they don't worry about it because God cares and provides for them. And and Matthew reminds you and I that aren't we more valuable than birds? Aren't we more valuable than the birds of the air? And if we're more valuable than the birds of the air, isn't God going to provide for us more readily than the birds of the air? For those who seek first his kingdom and righteousness, that's the caveat. Are you seeking first God's kingdom and righteousness? Are you looking to him first? Are you clinging to him first? Or just the provision of a paycheck? The provision of a job promotion? I think a Christmas vacation where he's putting all his chips in one bank for a bonus check. Are you clinging to God who's your provider or the the means with which he can provide? Doesn't mean he will provide, but he can. Matthew 6 reminds us of that today. God promises provision. That's worth holding on to. Continues on. God promises purpose. He's the author of your story today, first off. He sees the end from the beginning. He knows the choices you're going to make before you make them. He allows you to make choices, but he works out everything in your stories for his glory and for your good because his glory is our good. Jeremiah 29, 11, very familiar verse for many of us, especially in graduation season. It says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans that prosper and not to harm you. See, we sometimes look at our situations in our lives, and God, our life is not, it's harmful. I don't like this. But God is present in it. He's present with you through it. And his purpose is going to be revealed the more you lean and cling to him. The plans to prosper, not to harm. Plans for a hope and a future. God has every step figured out for you. Even the steps that you're going to take that are not in alignment with him. And he still works for his glory and your good. God promises purpose. God promises abundant life. Life to the full. John 10.10 10 reminds us that the thief, referring to the enemy, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, but I come so they may have life. And not just life, but life to the full. Have you ever asked for a glass of water or a drink that, maybe it's Dr. Pepper if that's your taste. I'm okay with that. Maybe it's soda water, which is something I like as well. Because you all are all like me. But have you ever asked for a drink and they pour it halfway and you're just like, okay, you're good. you're just kind of like... D- uh, Okay, thanks. But if someone comes and pulls it and fills the cup and then leaves the bottle of seltzer water or Dr. Pepper, because Dr. Pepper is awesome, that's a different conversation. God says that I come so they may have life into the full. That means you and I can trust today that whatever I'm walking through, whatever I feel like is destroying the life that I have, that he's the source of life, And as we cling to him, his plans make a way. He has it all figured out. He's with us. You're not promised a mediocre life. You're promised a full life. And it's only in him that you find it. God promises escape from temptation. Temptation. Sometimes I feel like we we believe this statement that sounds like it's the right thing coming from the Bible, but it's actually not biblically fully accurate. Where, well, I'm not gonna get tested above everything that I can't handle. No, God's gonna bring things in your life that will that you will be overwhelming to you, that you're not able to handle. You know what they're meant to do? Draw you back to Jesus. The problem is if we face things that we can only handle, we become our own gods thinking we can take care of our lives. God, I don't need you today. Take a back seat. Once my life gets hard, then I'll look to you. Once, once I don't know what to do, once I need more money, once I have a bill that I need to pay, then I'll look to you to provide for me to be who you say you're going to be. But I, I can handle this. I got this. Okay. God's gracious, He's patient. But he says He promises escape from temptation, He doesn't promise to withhold temptation. See, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow temptation to be more than you can stand when you are tempted, because you will be tempted. He will show you a way out. Why? So you can be free from it? No, so you can endure. Why? Because we need to be reminded of our brokenness because there's only one Savior who saves us. His name is Jesus. Jesus. God promises escape from temptation. So that means today you don't have to turn to a bottle. That means today you don't have to turn to a website. That means today you don't have to turn to stuff. That means today you don't have to turn to a paycheck or money. It, doesn't, it means today you don't have to turn to a relationship to bring the satisfaction that only a Savior can give you. That you and I today have escaped from temptation because He is our source of hope. Because He is our source of freedom. Because He alone is our source of joy. You and I today, there's escape from the things that ail us. Some of us today are fearful of going into 2019 because of all the stuff that we're struggling with in 2018. Today, there's hope for you. Can I say that again? Today, there's hope for you because of Jesus. We get to go into 2019 spreading the cheer of freedom because Jesus is our freedom. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed not maybe, not if you pass the right test and you look the right part, whom the son sets free. He's no, he, he doesn't show favoritism. You don't have to act a certain way or look a certain way. All we have to do is surrender our lives to Jesus and he leads the way. Here's the deal. It's not a moment of salvation. It's an ongoing life of responsive salvation. Tomorrow's going to be a new day. The next day is going to be a new day. That's actually going to be a new year. See what I did there? newness is coming every day, but it's a daily choice, moment by moment even. You're going to be really great at surrendering to Christ one minute, the next minute, when the Seahawks may be struggling or the Cowboys are losing. I'm not, I don't know. I have to get resaved. It's been like my season. Playoffs. Promise, escape from some salvation. I lost it. Temptation. God promised to be with us even in darkness. Psalm 23, 4, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Even in our darkness, God promises to be present. And sometimes we feel like God's nowhere to be found. Sometimes we feel like, God, I'm all alone. But even in our darkness, God promises to be present. I will fear no evil is what the psalmist says. Why? Because you're with me. It's interesting to watch kids, because I'm a parent of two kids. It's interesting to watch how they act and interact with people when mom or dad are present. I was sitting at Costco one day. My wife and I were shopping. We got done. We were going to go eat some hot dogs because it's really good to have cheap food sometimes. (laughs) And it's not bad either. And my wife is standing in line, I think, with my son. And then I'm standing there with Abby. And she's like, Dad, I want to sit at that table. She has this thing for umbrellas at, in Costco. If, if there's not an umbrella at the table, she's pretty sad. And there was one table that had an umbrella, but there was a lovely couple sitting at the table. No one else was anywhere near them, but there was an umbrella at their table. Dad, I want to sit at that table. Okay, baby girl, go ask him. Who's, can you ask them? Nope. You can ask them. You can be brave. You can be bold. You can ask them. So here's my daughter. Can I, can I sit there at that t- table? I love it. Oh, we would love for you to sit at this table. Dad, dad, they said yes. <laughs> not because, I didn't do that because I want to be mean. I did it because I don't want my daughter to be timid. I did it because I want my daughter to realize that I can ask for things, and if someone says no, it's not the end of the world. That if we ask for things and someone says yes, it's the greatest thing in all the world. See, with my daughter, it's such an incredible journey to watch God be faithful, Because when He is with us, we can face anything. When we recognize that it's God who is with me, nothing can be against me then. It doesn't mean things aren't gonna come against you, it just means that I can take it all on because He's already conquered it. So I can face the dark, difficult decisions and dark, difficult seasons of my life. God promises to be with us, even in darkness. And it builds into this next one God promises to be in control. You ever felt like your life is out of control? I'd never have. But the Bible speaks about it. God promised to be in control. John 16:33 he says, "I have told you these things so that you may have peace in me." Notice that he says, "In me, not in your situation, not in your promotion, not in your marital status, not in your bank account status, not in your friends, not in your kids, in me. Peace in me. Here on Earth you will have many trials and sorrows That'll preach but take heart because I've overcome the world. God is in control. The creator of the universe is sovereign, more powerful, more mighty, the more great than anything we face or can imagine. And he's for us. He loves us because we're his kids. Whether we've crossed the line of faith today, we haven't. He loves you because you're his. That's the response we get to live out of. He is in control. So my question to you today is, where do you need to retighten your grip on the hope that you could to affirm. Maybe today you don't have any hope. Maybe today you've not made a statement of faith for Jesus, who is the source of our hope. Maybe today you need to. Not because I'm coercing you or telling you you have to, you don't get to leave. That'd be weird. But because he is the source of our hope. The third salad statement, verses 24 to 25, says this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. A couple quick thoughts here. Sometimes we like to separate these two statements. Well, they both say let us, but they're both the same statement. Let us consider how we would motivate one another. Another translation says stir. Another translation says spur. In other words, it's simply this. How are you going to help others live according to the life that God has called us to because of his son, Jesus. How are you going to do it? Because we should be considering that on a regular basis. You and I, the author of Hebrews is telling us, we need to consider this. And oftentimes we just go whimsically about it. Then he says, don't give up meeting together. He already gives us a a solution. How are you going to do this? Community. These two cannot be separated. It's interesting to note that throughout the New Testament, a lonely Christian's never celebrated. They're actually called out. Stop giving up meeting together. In order to be a Christian who is modeling and responding to God's love so we can spread it and cheer it, it's meant to be tied to community. How are you tied to community today? I'm not talking some BFFs who Kind of make you feel better. Here's the thing when I used to read this passage, I used to think, how can I like peacefully like encourage my friends to love Jesus? Like, hey, you know what? That probably wasn't a good movie for you to watch, but you know what? Next time I, I believe that you can make the right choice. Uh, you know, I know you've, I know you said you didn't want to go do that party thing with so and so and those people, you know, but there's always hope for you, there's grace for you. The author of Hebrews is painting a different picture for you and I today. When he uses the word motivate in the new living or the, the word spur and stir in the other translations, here's the picture he's creating. The word spur means this. It's a device with a small spike or a spiked wheel that is worn on a rider's heel and used for urging a horse forward. It's not meant to pierce or hurt the horse. It's meant to urge the horse forward. Forward. Is it comfortable when you get poked in the ribs? If you say yes, I want to poke you in the ribs. (laughs) No, it's not comfortable. Is it comfortable to be spiked by something so you get to move forward? No, it's not. You know what's not comfortable? Is when I'm sitting around with a bunch of my guy friends and we're talking life and we get honest for a minute because, guys, you know this, we can be honest for like 30 seconds and we got to move on to sports or some other analogy because too deep, too quick is like overwhelming. But the moment we get honest for a second, it's like, man, I know you, I know you deal with like some lust issues and you watch the this sh- this show on Netflix or whatever. And isn't there a lot of nudity in that show? It, some of you like, that just got deep quick. We're not meant to call each other out and criticize each other. We're meant to spur each other on moving forward. You probably shouldn't watch that, man. That's bad. That's bad. Hey, I know that you're getting over drinking and, and you, don't, you don't want to drink as much as you have and you've wanted to stay out of the bar scene, but I noticed on your Facebook feed you were posting some selfies with some of your buddies at a bar the other night. What's going on? Well, how do we lovingly judge each other? Doesn't the Bible say we shouldn't judge? It's not technically true. We shouldn't judge those outside the family of Christ. The Bible's very clear about that. I believe in 1 Corinthians 5. But the Bible is also very clear that you and I are meant to sharpen and keep each other in alignment with God's call to live in response to his goodness and his faithfulness and mercy. It's not comfortable. But it doesn't mean I can just start walking about, hey, you love Jesus, right? You're a bad Christian. No, it's not how we do it. Hebrews is reminding us to have love be the motivator. Do we love each other enough to not let them compromise what God has called them to? This is not comfortable, this is not easy, this is not beautiful some days, but it's the most rewarding, vibrant, rich thing we can ever do for each other. And the author of Hebrews is reminding you and I today, that we are called to spur one another on, not let each other settle for compromise. My question to you is, do you have people in your life that are willing to do that? And do you celebrate them or do you ridicule them? No one likes to offend, but if we'll live with love as the motivator, it's not our responsibility to determine how someone will be offended. Love should be the motivator, unconditional love. How is that earned? With relationship, but don't settle for compromise. Are you willing to call out those God has placed in your life that are followers of Christ? And are you willing to be called out? This is not easy. I don't even enjoy reading it. I wish I could delete that. God, I just want a comfortable life. But the truth of the matter is, I want to know God fully and live fully in in response. So how is your considering going? Because of who Christ is, because of Christ, Hebrews tells us, to let us approach him boldly with sincere hearts. He says, let us I don't know why I just went blank. Let us hold tightly to the hope we have and let us consider how we may spur one another on. To spread the cheer next year, it hinges on these responses from knowing who Christ is. Can I pray for you today? God, I thank you for your word. Even at times where it can be challenging, even at times where it can just be honest, Lord, I pray you we would always have a teachable, sensitive heart to your, to your word and to your spirit. Thank you that you love us so much that you don't want us to settle, but that you have promises of a full and rich and vibrant life. And we're meant to do it in the context of community. Would you give us wisdom? Would you give us grace and favor? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you wanna keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.